Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. The Magic have lost four straight since their 2-0 bubble start. Jonathan Isaac had his knee surgery. Aaron Gordon, Michael Carter-Williams, and Evan Fournier have missed time. Now Terrence Ross has left the bubble. When it rains, it, it just keeps pouring. Brooklyn, led by former Magic head coach and player Jacques Vaughn, locked up the seventh seed, which means... Orlando will be the eighth seed. Second consecutive year in the playoffs. Yes, we were the seventh seed last season. We're the eighth seed this season. There's no uh, rematch with the Raptors this time. We're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. We've only played them one other time in the postseason, which was 2001, Tracy McGrady era. And we're going to discuss what this past week has meant to a Magic team. That's obviously a little deflated right now. Let's go. Any the uh, the hits just keep on coming with this team as far as uh, losing Magic Men. So we're we're recording this uh, on a Monday afternoon, and the news just kind of came out that uh, Terrence Ross had to leave the NBA campus or the bubble. Uh, the official word is uh, is interesting. It's for off-site non-COVID related medical tests and. That's kind of scary when uh, when you hear he had to get medical tests, but they're not related to COVID nineteen. Um, I'm I'm a little right. concerned for him, and we hope uh, Terrence is is okay. And I'm sure we'll get more details by the time we're done recording this. Um, but I mean, he now joins a long list. We we lost Jonathan Isaac with who just who had his ACL and meniscus uh, knee surgery um, for Tuesday's game or tomorrow uh, against Brooklyn. We have three guys doubtful. We have Michael Carter-Williams who's out with the strained foot. Uh, we have Aaron Gordon out with the strained hamstring and Evan Fournier out with a non-COVID illness, but he was healthy enough to play video games, so he should be okay. Um, obviously, since we did our last pod when the Magic were 2-0 and in the bubble, we've gone 0-4 since then. But kind of before we break all this down, uh, can we agree that the Magic have probably been stung the worst out of these bubble teams with injuries? Uh, certainly when four of your top eight guys are out, that's, uh, I mean, it's not Ben Simmons, right? But uh, it's, it's our top flight talent that we're not, not at our disposal. And also, some people have already made the argument, mostly Philadelphia folks, that they've actually been playing with more effort, have the Sixers without Ben Simmons. But, um, I mean, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a huge loss for Memphis. You feel bad for Memphis, and I guess you feel bad for us because, you know, Memphis, I, I guess their schedule was going to – got a little bit harder, but they were going to deal with a, with a difficult schedule towards the end of the season anyway. But now – you know they're they're floundering. The Magic have floundered. We're we're the eight seed, even though the Magic ha- are now, you know, in the playoffs for the second consecutive year. We have Brooklyn with evil Jacques Vaughn's mustache or, or uh, facial hair, beard, whatever. Um, you know, actually overachieving in the bubble, and now you have the Magic who they have a date with uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks in the first round of the playoffs, which. 
I guess might end up being a better matchup than Toronto since, you know, Toronto seems to be getting under our skin and, and we'll talk about that game uh, briefly, but, um, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll do each of these games now. Cause it's kind of, it's really tough to, <laughs> it's really tough to talk about the injuries without going through some of the games and whatnot. But, uh, let's, let's talk about, I have a couple pet peeves though, with some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, with the bubble games and how they've shown. Still, Ian, Egan, Ian Eagle and Stan Van Gundy have been an amazing announcing pair, uh, pairing, but just in life in general, this is out of the bubble, is outside of the NBA, but I'm still, I'm kind of tired of, well, not kind of, I'm, I'm really frustrated with people that wear masks that don't know how to wear masks properly. They're, uh, yeah. Most of it is they're not wearing it over their nose, and or they're wearing it so low below their nose that even like their mouth is coming out and it's just, it defeats the purpose entirely. Um, it's or they a, take it down to talk, which is fun. Yeah. And it's like, look, we can hear you just fine. If you're speaking with a decent amount of, of sound and, and, and level in your voice. So you don't have to take the mask down. You're fine. We can hear you, especially when, when for these interviews they have like microphones specifically pointed at them that picks up everything. Like it, it's not an issue. And I'm glad we still have no pe- positive uh, COVID-19 tests in the NBA bubble. It's, it's still been a complete success so far in that regard. And hopefully that continues. Um, we've seen these injuries pop up most, a lot of, a lot of them for the magic, but I mean, for a lot of teams as well uh, with these, this condensed schedule a little bit where, you know, every team's going through a, a only one back to back. So, they, but they've been playing every other day for a couple, you know, for these two or so weeks, and I, it's starting to show here where guys are either being rested, um, even even when their seeds or you know exit from the playoffs hasn't been solidified. You know, people are getting rested now, um, and it's the schedule's just been eating at people. But yeah, just if you weren't going to wear a mask, do it right. Please don't wear a mask that has like the little porthole thing just because even though it supposedly make helps you breathe better, whatever you're breathing out goes out into the world, which defeats the purpose of the mask. So wear a surgical mask, wear a cloth mask, just don't wear anything with a hole. It, it seems obvious, but I've seen a lot of NBA guys, including Terrence Ross, who um, who have these kind of port masks that they look kind of cool. Um, maybe, you know, it looks like something you might wear in like a first person shooter game or whatnot, but they defeat the purpose of what masks are supposed to do. So that's one of my pet peeves. Um, the other one I have is Jonathan Isaac's name just being butchered, um, as far as just terrible spelling everywhere, be it Twitter, be it on, uh, you know, sports center on TNT graphic designs. I mean, it's, I know it's a little bit unique how he spells Jonathan, but the Isaac part completely get, gets with me because so many people misspell it I-S-S-A-C or whatnot. And it's like, no, that's that's not how that is. So um, I don't know if you got a pet peeve or if you want to comment on any of my stuff so far. Yeah, also, I guess it's autocorrect or something, um, but everyone reporting the injury in real time was always Jonathan Isaacs plural, which uh, was kind of frustrating, but I guess we're <laughs> used to that with the JJ Reddick thing from before where it was always two D's. So. Yeah, that, that one was 
perplexing and it took him literally like 10 years to get it right i mean the man's 36 years old and finally like over the past couple years it basically took him going to the clippers for him to get it right but even then like i still see it wrong here and there um i I have a small pet peeve um, and i guess it's a technological or game presentation one the nba has done i think an admirable job in terms of you know we've talked about the virtual fans and uh bringing in the uh the video boards and the advertisements and really trying to make it look like a, an actual in arena experience, even though there's not a live crowd there. Um, they, they make it a point and I can't speak to the national broadcasts as much as the local ones, but coming back from timeout and stuff, they, they show a lot of reverse camera angle and, uh, the NBA only, they only set up a backdrop on three quarters of the of the floor, right? So the so the main camera angle from half court looks good, but then when you shoot the opposite angle, it's like dark and nothingness and into the void. And I feel like uh, you know, like like the college bowl games, you you don't zoom out, right? <laughs> you yeah. zoom in on the one section of fans that are there. I don't I don't think you should. Uh, show everyone a peek behind the curtain and, and show them that there's literally nothing on the TV camera side. That's fair. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know if I'm going to like or hate more and more celebrities popping up on these things. Like the, uh, uh, we figured, we figured out that most of the people that get invited to be part of the virtual fans, um, they'll, they're, they're mostly family or friends um, or maybe like hardcore, like really well-known, like fans of the team or whatnot. But um, we're seeing some celebrity creativity, and then we're seeing like random animals pop up. Like I think I saw like a lizard and a gecko pop up in one of the national TV games yesterday. Um, you know, people <laughs> people have had their dogs and whatnot, and um, just a lot of random animals. Somebody had a goat with them in their lap. Like it's it's getting interesting how. Uh, <laughs> Right. It's turning into a farm with some of these, but um, I guess home court advantage has somewhat held up for the most part. Um, maybe the virtual fans are helping. There hasn't been any like deterioration like at the free throw line or like with these records so far. But I mean, it's a very small sample size. I guess we'll really know once the, these playoff series start, especially once we get to like the second rounds. But um, again, the NBA overall has done a, a very good job there. They keep tweaking things here and there. And, you know, I, I, I see at least on Twitter and, and, and that and whatnot that for the most part, the, everything that the NBA has been doing, especially with the virtual fans where people were kind of skeptical about it. Now they're, they're fine with it or they they've gotten used to it. So, you know, good job to the league so far for that. Um, I didn't mention this in the last one, which I probably should have in, in the last podcast when Isaac was in the very brief uh, non-national anthem kneeling uh, scandal, which literally lasted like two days or three days because uh, then the knee injury happened. And now that feels like a lifetime ago, let alone a week ago. So, uh, But I, I've had this thought long before Colin Kaepernick ever kneeled, you know, before these current... Black Lives Matter kneelings uh, have occurred, and but just stop playing the national anthem at these U.S. league events. It should only be done for national team sporting events. Um, you have so many non-Americans in these sports leagues, including the NBA, that it just it it never made sense to me. I've probably had this thought since I was in like middle school, and 
it would just suck for you know it would suck for anthem singers or people that you know make that depend on that income i don't know what that number would be but it's just it I, I, it just doesn't make sense to me. Like I even see it for um, for Formula One races where you know they'll do like the national anthem for uh, that country's or for that track's you know country or whatnot. Which it's it's whatever. I, I I don't. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't know if you want to comment or if you got your input on that. I just don't think it. You know, I think just save it for national team events. I think it actually would mean more in that regard. Yeah, I don't have a, you know, I obviously didn't grow up watching those sports, but in playing sports, and specifically I'm thinking about, like, high school sports when we had to do the, uh, like, basketball triple header. So you have freshman JV and varsity, and then you play three national anthems in one night. Uh, it's always kind of frustrating. Um, and de- depending on who's performing, also uh, boring and bad. <laughs> so... Um, I, I think it's a good point. I think it's kind of needless. I, I think that, you know, the right now, I guess the anthem means something different to everybody right now um, as one point. And the second point is not everyone is American, right? So yeah, uh, it, it seems a little needless, but also I understand that it's another, uh, it's another entertainment point, I guess, depending on who's performing and another marketing opportunity. Um, but in, in this instance, I, if you're wearing a polo as a, as a coach, I think you can make some tweaks to the, uh, to the anthem protocols too. So, yeah, so we'll move on to the Isaac injury stuff. I, I, well, you and I aren't doctors. Um, I have doctor friends, but I, you know, I'm not a doctor. Um, Jeff Wellman came out and said that Jonathan Isaac's ACL tear would, and then as well as I guess a meniscus, meniscus tear that, they uh, they repaired surgically was unrelated to the prior knee injury that occurred on January first. And to me, again, I'm not a doctor, but to me, if and maybe you recall this better than me because my memory isn't the best, but I thought that the magic there there was at least some conversation when Isaac was out the first time back on January first that because he didn't tear anything that because he had kind of all this contusion, these contusions and this bruising in his knee, that it would make it potentially more susceptible to this type of injury. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if you recall that or not. Um, I've looked to see if I could find something definitive um, from a, from an article or anything. I haven't, but I could have sworn I heard it during like a Hammond or Weltman interview a while back, like in February or something. But um you and I both agree that we don't think Isaac came back too soon. We we said this last podcast. I imagine your opinion hasn't changed on that, right? Yeah, I don't think I'm not blindly defending our management, um, but I think the track record has been pretty strong and pretty proven. That uh, to echo what Weltman said uh, in his media availability, I think if anything, they err on the side of caution too long. Yeah. Um, so clearly, you know, he passed whatever markers there were each step of the way, and that's why he was on the floor. Yeah, and I, I look if they say that this injury isn't related to the one in before, then I'm going to believe it because you know I don't one I don't have any proof, and two I don't think there's any like malicious motive in keeping that type of information, you know, secretive from the from the fans or whatnot. Like I don't see a benefit in and them saying like, oh, this was related to the January 1st thing because people will say, oh, he came back too soon. But no, you have 
you know, again, we have one of the biggest um, medical staffs out of all the NBA teams in the league. Like we, we take this, the, our franchise is taking this stuff very seriously with a lot of the resources that they've invested in, a lot of the people that they've brought in. And if they all agreed that he was meet, you know, Isaac was meeting all these uh, benchmarks to getting back onto the floor, then great. Awesome. If, you know, they're, the medical staff is saying, hey, you know, this knee injury and this, you know, and the surgery that was just done, you know, it didn't repair anything that had been, you know, susceptible back in January, then I'm going to believe it. So I'm going to leave it at that. I only brought it up because there's, there's a lot of, there's a few Magic fans that pretty much just don't trust our front office at all right now. Um, there's kind of a frustration with where our franchise is right now, roster-wise, compared to, hell, even the Phoenix Suns, who now are the bubble darlings all of a sudden. But um, there's a worry of potential stagnation with the roster, and I don't want to delve into that because we can save that for the offseason when big-time decisions are going to have to be made. But I guess some positive news is the Magic did make uh, the our, you know in the 2020 NBA playoffs, which... It's the first time they've been in consecutive postseason since the you know 2011-2012 season. So there's a bit of a bright side to that, I guess. I mean, we've we we've been dealing with injuries on and off all season. Maybe you know some some teams have had it worse than we have for sure. But um, considering how healthy we were last season, uh, you know, seeing that we still made the playoffs, even though our record is terrible, it's 32 and 39 right now, but still. Um, they could we could be in a situation where the Magic aren't in the playoffs. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, I see it as progress. It's just a matter of after this season, you know what what to help you know, Weltman and Hammond do. Like, do are they going to be able to help push our roster ahead? Um, are we going to be able to trust Steve Clifford as a as as a longer term uh, coach solution? Maybe not. So there's a lot that we're going to find out here in the next few weeks, or you know, and see where where both the psyche of magic fans are and where kind of the the future outlook would be for for this team going forward so um all right let's go into some of these individual games a little bit so we've had four losses since the last pod we lost to indiana the pacers were on a second night of a back-to-back indy rested oladipo in their wizards game so he was fresh the magic got off to just a horrific first quarter which was the difference in that game um, you know, the Magic, they lost that game 120 to 109. They got outscored 43 to 22 in the first quarter. And then the Magic either drew or won the rest of the quarters, the rest of the game. So it's, it was frustrating. Um, that was the game where Mike, where both, you know, where Mike, Michael Carter Williams missed the second half with foot discomfort, which he's still out with right now. And it's dislocated a finger, but he came back. Um, and then Aaron Gordon, even though he played through it, he had some type of groin pain that he clearly, or at least groin discomfort that he played through. But, um, do you recall anything specific from the Indiana game other than just, we sucked that first quarter and we have to get out the better starts? Yeah, I, I, I think that pretty much said it all for that game. It's the, the kind of thing that's real frustrating when there's a sense of urgency in terms of where we are in the standings. And, you know, outside of losing Jonathan Isaac prior, everything's kind of trending positively on the court lately. Um, And to just not show up is concerning and frustrating. Yeah. um, You know, the Magic had three 20-point scores in that game, Gordon, Ross, and Vucevic. Um, 
so the second game, which was the Magic's second night of that back-to-back against the Raptors, who up until you know, last week we thought we would probably be facing in the first in a first-round series where the Magic would be the seventh seed. But um, the Magic were on the second night of a back-to-back, so our odds were kind of grim going in. Um, Kyle Lowry's just a bitch. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> I, I I despise that man so much, and he's a Philly guy. But I I despise him so much um, for that flagrant foul on on Aaron Gordon. Do you think it should have been more than just a flagrant one, Penny? Uh, I think a flagrant one is appropriate, um, and as much as Kyle Lowry gets under your skin, and as frustrating as it was with the outcome of the foul, in that we we've lost Aaron Gordon for for a little bit of time here, uh, I think a flagrant one is the appropriate severity. So I think he, Lowry should have been thrown out. Um, uh, there's probably some magic bias involved with that, but it, it's a very dangerous play. He's not going for the ball at all. He's going. He's just trying to hit him and take him down. And if Aaron wasn't as balanced, as athletic, as stronger and bigger than Lowry as, as he was, you know, Aaron's 6'8", Lowry's I think listed at 6 foot, um, I, there's a good chance that AG ends up on his back or his neck or something. But because he's, he's that athletic, he kind of prevented it actually, actually from what I thought would have been a worse fall in, in my right. mind um, because – he, he somehow was able to keep his balance enough to get just that leg down. Unfortunately, that's what led to the strained uh, hamstring. But um, what did we think of the uh, the little back-and-forth conversation? Well, first off, I, I'm a little disappointed that no Magic player like went up to Lowry like, at all. I'm, I'm very disappointed in that. There was enough players that saw the play that even though apparently nobody was seeing the replays or you know, when the refs were reviewing the flagrant foul during the replay, the replay reviews, I guess they weren't showing the replay in the arena at the time. So, But there was enough guys on the floor where I thought somebody would have come up to Lowry and just defended Aaron a little bit, and that didn't happen. And in my mind, I think that's kind of set the tone for how the rest of these games have gone so far. But um, I, I just think it's, 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 just, it's a Bush, Bush League move by Lowry. And... It wasn't until like after the game that some guys were kind of able to see the play more and they were able to comment a little bit more. But um, what do we think of the uh, banter that Aaron and Kyle were uh, were having a little bit there, um, which I guess kind of got picked up by the cameras where Lowry basically threw out his hotel room number to Aaron, which I guess that's I guess you can do that when you're not staying at the same hotel, um, which. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a lot of security in between. So, uh, yeah, because so, the Magic are at the uh, Grand uh, or at the uh, Floridian Grand Floridian Hotel, and uh, Toronto's at the Coronado Springs one. And unless the Magic get past the first round of the playoffs, um, they won't be in the same hotel with the Raptors. Because I think after the first round of the playoffs is when um, all the teams are actually going to be in the hotels in, in one hotel with, I guess, family members, too, which I don't know how that's going to work out. but right. um, So that'll be interesting to see if we get NBA hotel fights. I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. Um, but I, I thought it was a terrible move. The other thing that – and the Magic lost that Raptors game, 109-99. So even once AG left the floor, the Magic actually put up a pretty decent fight considering we yeah. shot 40% from the field 
which it was lower than that for much of the game. We shot 11 of 41 on threes. And my biggest thing that I wanted to point out with that Toronto game is why the hell were we double-teaming Siakam when Pascal Siakam has not had a good um, a good bubble stay so far. He has not been like his usual dominant self in the bubble. And even if, even if he goes off for 50, that's fine because I bet you Toronto wouldn't reach 95 points in that regard in my mind. So... Um, I don't understand some of the double teaming, and you can you can step in on this. That's all I got for this Raptor game. Well, yeah, I, I think I, I echo that that sometimes there's a, a lag time in in changing the game plan in that regard. You, you'd much rather have as talented a player as Siakam as you'd much rather him go off and go crazy than you know the Norm Powells and and the Fred Van Vliet's of the world getting real comfortable from beyond the arc yeah and it really wouldn't shock me if fred van vliet uh ends up if somehow the raptors make it to the finals it wouldn't shock me if he's like the lead candidate for finals mvp if toronto gets there because that, that guy is so good and he's for an undersized guard you know shooting guard anyway like that guy is really really good um but the only other thing for this raptor game was this just like the the indie game we got off to a terrible start Toronto went up 26-11 to 11 in the first quarter, and then the Magic won. Uh, well, actually, no, the Raptors won the second quarter 29-24, but then um, the Magic picked it up in the second half again. But just terrible starts. You can't get off terrible starts, especially with superior, you know, perceived support, superior teams. Aren't the Magic like 5-31 or 5-32 now um, against playoff teams or teams above 500? Like, that's, that's pitiful, and... There's no expectations in a first-round series against Milwaukee when you're that terrible. Not just against Milwaukee, where Milwaukee's um, point, uh, you know, uh, point total or victory distance, I guess, victory gap per game is like 17 points per game against the Magic this season. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if you got anything else for that Raptor game, Penny. Um, well, I yeah. I- I was surprised that they were able to hang on despite the poor shooting. So again, that becomes the frustrating thing when watching this team. Like the the ceiling is only so high, and it requires energy and focus and effort, um, which was in that game. The shooting was not. Um, so it, it's frustrating that they can't seem to buy in as a as a collective group more often um, and provide that kind of effort that's needed to have a chance to win the game when everyone's aware of the talent level and the offensive level and what's required to execute. Um, that was, that one was kind of crushing just because of the injury um, and, and has kind of set the stage for the continued slide in the bubble. Yeah. And I looked it up now and the magic are now five and 31 against teams 500 or above. So again, it's not been a good season against uh, supposedly decent teams, but um, before we get to the Sixers and Celtic game real quick, so the, before the Philly game was when the news came out where Mo Bamba revealed to Josh Robbins of The Athletic that he had COVID-19 back in June. He went through symptoms, and it certainly explains the cardio issues, or at least the contribution to the cardio issues. Um, and then even when he got to the bubble, I guess he went through a couple false positive test issues that took away three days of practices for Mo in the bubble. Um, it still doesn't explain to me why um, he, he was playing so tentatively with the third string unit, those those early games. And we haven't seen him the past couple games at all. 
Um, you know, he's been DNPs the, the past few games, you know, straight. And so I don't know if they're just trying to get his cardio up to where he can maybe contribute in the playoffs or if he's still feeling ill effects from having COVID-19. That's the scary part with, with the coronavirus is we really don't know, you know, the damage that can be done, especially to, you know, athletes that need to be in tip top shape or else they, they end up just not performing that well. Um, but I'm, I'm still concerned that Mo was very tentative in his time on the floor that he did have, especially when you have James Ennis, who also had the the coronavirus, also had symptoms. Ennis has actually looked good despite despite that, I think. So I don't know what uh, what your viewpoint is on that, Benny. Yeah, it's uh, it's difficult because obviously it's a novel virus, right? So. Um... I'm surprised at how good Ennis has looked. I guess he, you know, asymptomatic or, or whatever, but I don't know. It's concerning about Bamba. Um, everything has been concerning about Bamba for the last couple of years, except evidently his, uh, his work ethic in the weight room, which has been noticeable, um, but trying to translate to consistent production on the floor. And now there's a pretty big setback, and I think that's the same kind of uh, you know, that's the same kind of setback for Terrence Ross too, where he's going to come back into the bubble and then he's going to have to be stationary for a week. Um, so it's a slow, slow ramp up again. And with being so conscientious about soft tissue injuries and things like that, it, it really, it sets back the individual and then obviously it sets back the team too. Yeah. Um, look, I, with Mo, it's. I hope we do get at least see him get some playoff minutes one way or another. Whether we're getting blown out or winning a blowout, I hope. I hope we see him at least get some playoff minutes because he he hasn't he wasn't in the postseason last season, and so it'd be nice to just kind of throw him out out there. But um, there's there's some concerns, and this is why the Magic signed Vucevic to that long contract. Vuce has statistically been the best player on the Magic so far in the bubble. You know we're two and four. We we still have go-to score issues, but Vooch has been averaging you know a twenty you know twenty ten double doubles that you know this whole time so far, and at least we got that going for us a little bit. Although, and that's probably why I'm glad in some way we're not playing the Raptors because he's been treating Marcus Gasol with so much respect. He just he plays terribly against Gasol that. I, I like his chances better against Brooke Lopez, even though Lopez has greatly improved his def- his defense. I still much prefer Vooch in that matchup than Gasol because Gasol's clearly in his head at this point. Um, so this so this Philly game, so the Magic went would have went in this record, you know, would have would have went into this game with a two and two record, and the Magic lost that Philly game one hundred eight one hundred one. This is the one they should have had because. Uh, yeah. Ben Simmons was out and Joel Embiid was sleepwalking through most of the game until basically the end. Um, and other than Alec Burks, again, torturing us with 22 points, like you got Fournier and Vooch were both shooting fairly well. They were the Magic's leading scorers. And even though we didn't have uh, Aaron Gordon or Michael Carter Williams, like the Magic definitely should have won this game. They actually outshot Philly 42% to 41% from the field. And it's it's just frustrating. Um, they they blew it at the end. Philly won that fourth quarter, thirty-one to twenty-two, and that's how they won by seven. And 
They they should have had that. I mean, Philly beat them both points in the paint, second chance points, even fast break points, and it's just kind of hustle stat numbers that you you really gotta 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 at least win or come close to winning in that regard. And Terrence Ross had that terrible shooting night where he was 0 for 10 from the floor, and he would make up for it in the Boston game. But it's if he makes even like two shots, like I feel like we win that game, um, and. Yeah, that's that's all I got. Um, you know, because the Wizards, even though we lost, because the Wizards lost um, that same day, we also clinched our playoff spot at that point. So that was about the only good news that came out of that that game. I don't know if you got anything else on the Philly game. Yeah, it's just you look up and you go, wait a minute, how how do we go from you know one point lead to eight points down? It was kind of like the flip of a switch, but. The dichotomy, I guess, is the biggest takeaway from that game of, uh, you know, the the jubilation and getting into the playoffs last year and winning your way in versus uh, backing your way in this year because of uh, another team's loss. Yeah, we're really backing in. At least last season, we had some momentum and like we took our playoff spot, like we claimed that, you know, we claimed that seven seed, but. Now it's like a worse playoff spot, and we're we have a terrible record. There's a chance we could we could be 32 and 41 going into the playoffs, which got I don't even want to know historically where that would rank, but that's not good um, from a from a from a percentage perspective. Um, obviously, we're not playing the full 82 games, but it's it's not good, and it's far away from the over under of 43 or 43 and a half where where we were at the start when Vegas was taking bets so it's it's long ways away from from that you know over under on wins um thank god that got voided for you thank god i got that that 20 bucks mailed back to me or 30 bucks mailed back to me so um mail in gambling or mail or mailing in your uh, your tickets is safe folks if if you want to do that um but all right, so that final game against uh, Boston, that one, um, that was another one that the Magic should have had, and we lost it 122 to 119. We lost in overtime. Uh, you know, J- uh, Jason Tatum, he turned it on at the end. There was some very questionable coaching decisions made by Steve Clifford in this game. There were some very questionable decisions, period, involving DJ Augustine and. This is the last game that you know that that's occurred, most recent game that's occurred. So it's fresh in my mind, but or fresh in our minds. But I mean, we we blew this, and you know, on top of that, the Nets got another win after we lost that heartbreaker to Boston. They beat the Clippers. Brooklyn somehow is the seventh seed all of a sudden, and the Magic are, are an eighth. But um, what are your thoughts on this Boston game? Because I thought from a from what we had, I mean, we were starting both Gary Clark and Wessel Wundu for this game, and everybody seemed to have chipped in. Like, Ross had 18 off the bench. Fultz was 16 points, 10 assists off the bench. Um, you know, my, Melvin Frazier had a career-high 8 points. Gary Clark, who was starting, had a career-high 15 points. Ennis had a double-double. Vooch had 26 and 11. Like, it's, you know, everybody pitched in, I thought. And if, I, I thought... It wasn't even that Brad Stevens outcoached him at all. I thought um, Clifford just made the wrong closing lineup decisions. I thought he should have went with a one-do instead of uh, Augustine, where instead they, they went with like an Augustine-Fultz hybrid back uh, backcourt, which 
work has worked well in overall this season, but for this Boston matchup, I thought Boston's size and was just going to be a huge problem, and it was completely unfair to have Fultz defend Jason Tatum in my mind. But I don't know what if you had any specific thoughts from this. Uh, I think going into it, you you felt like it was just going to be a situation where we would be totally outclassed and outmatched, and I I would just take it down to the final three minutes of regulation where everything was right until everything was wrong. Uh, I don't know how much blame you can put on on Steve Clifford. I, I don't put any blame on him for the final uh, regulation possession. I think there was another timeout left in the pocket and uh, Fultz could have called timeout instead of inbounding to, to Terrence Ross there. That was obviously not the uh, primary option. Um, the most frustrating thing, just off the top of your head, what you can remember is DJ trying to force contact when we're up, you know, three, um, which would have put the game away if he could have scored or drawn a foul, drew a foul. Yeah, he missed two layups basically in that, you know, one where Hayward, where he slowed down and Hayward actually blocked him, and then the other one was was the other layup uh, before, I guess, where he does he was trying to do like that patented reverse that. He's been pretty good at making those, but he, he couldn't get that one to go. And those two layups are, are pretty big misses in my mind. But, I mean, from a defensive perspective, from just a, a – and even an offensive perspective, like Augustine, he burns that clock so – that shot clock down so much. It's It gets very noticeable late in games when you're playing more half-court half sets, whereas Fultz is like go, go, go. And, look, Markel, he screwed up on that rebound where – he, if he doesn't take a dribble, we advance the ball at least to, to midcourt, whereas instead we had more ground to cover, which I thought would act, could actually work in our favor. But Boston had a really good defense laid out. And because obviously we needed a three to tie, there was nobody in the paint. So everybody was covered. But um, I, I it's... It's jumping the gun where Magic fans are like, we got to fire Clifford, we got to get a new head coach. I'm nowhere near that. He's got at least next season, in my mind, this Clifford to 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 see if if he can be a long term you know a long term solution or if we got to think about replacements. He's got all of next season in my mind. If there is going to be a next season, that's the other worry. Um, yep. He's not in Brian Hill territory yet for me. I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, but. I, there's only so much a coach can do. Um, I think I don't know. It's a roster know. thing. No, that's that's where I was getting at. It, it is a roster yeah. thing, um, and I didn't want to cut you off. You can continue whatever your point was going to be on that. Well, yeah, I don't know that he's a top five coach, but I certainly don't think that he's a uh, he's a bottom five coach. I don't think that he's no. costing the team wins. Um, and you you know you can only maximize what kind of talent you have. I don't know if he maximizes all the talent, but certainly I don't think. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of fans, in particular, think that he's you know stunting the growth of of Folds and, and Bamba, um, and I I no. don't think that's the case. I think he's you know everyone is aligned strategically from from top down, which is one of the hardest things to do. Um, so I, I I agree. I don't think there's any there's only remote possibility that there's a coaching change in the next year, and also I wonder. Uh, if, if the financial implications of the pandemic uh, by by Steve Clifford more time too. Yeah, and look, this is going to be a big off season for Wolman and Hammond, where they've been. Fa- let's be honest, they've been fairly conservative um, 
so far in charge with the Magic. Their biggest moves have been basically fleecing the Sixers twice for for nothing. In, in my mind, it's been it's been you know getting Markel Fultz you know, last year and then this year getting James Ennis for basically nothing in both situations. But now you got to you're gonna have these decisions where okay, Aaron Gordon's a juicy asset, but because Isaac is gonna be out all of next year, do you hold on to him or do you deal him and then be like okay, Gary Clark, I'm signing you. We got Chumo Kiki coming in. I'm good with that for right now. Um, and then. You know, you got to decide with Fournier, uh, you know, am I, am, am I, you know, is he going to pick up his option? Am I offering him a new contract? If he does pick up his player option, do I then trade him immediately or try to deal immediately? Um, with DJ Augustine, do, do I resign him? You know, he's making 7 million. Do I, if I resign him, can I get him for cheaper? Um, that's why I think a lot's actually going to do. I, I think we might, even though the magic are short on bodies right now and talent, um, I think whatever happens the, these final couple games and then um, in the playoffs might might really make a difference because Fournier in big situations, especially, he's more of a hindrance on the defensive end almost than he is a positive on the offensive end. But um, and then offensively, we saw the Magic succeed so well against Boston because this is the game that Fournier misses for the non-COVID illness, and we saw that ball just zipping around the court. You see Ennis, you see Clark, you see Awundu cutting constantly to the basket. And that, I like that type of shooting guard. I like that with Courtney Lee for our 9 finals run. And look, obviously the Magic don't have enough talent in the other positions to say, you know, to where, you know, you can have your your shooting guard be that guy. Like the Magic need still a go-to score, whether that's at small forward or another position, whatever. But um I don't think I, I think Vucevic's long-term future is okay, or, or well, at least future for another year is okay because Mobamba's so far off, and who knows what's going to happen with Kem Birch. But let's just get into what do we want to see from the Magic before the playoffs in these last two games against the Nets and Pelicans. These games don't matter. The Nets locked up seventh. The Pelicans got eliminated, so JJ Redick's playoff streak is over. Um, what I, I'll give you just a couple basically off that I have listed, but. Letting Markel Fultz start. Just give him his starter minutes. Um, after the Boston loss, Clifford had two comments that were interesting. The first one that was concerning was he called out the Magic's effort in that Boston game, which to me, effort had nothing to do with why we lost that game. Effort was what kept us in the game, the whole game, and that decisions and potentially uh, substitution decisions are what lost us that game. But the second comment he made was um, that because Josh Robbins, he, he was very annoyed at Josh for, again, asking him about Markel Fultz, which that's what he should be doing. That's what I want people to be doing is asking, when do we get Markel Fultz starting again? Because he's a much better point guard overall than DJ Augustine. But when is Fultz going to get a, you know his starter minutes back? And Clifford kind of hinted that if it, it's coming soon, where it, that transition is going to happen, be it these next two games or right before the playoffs or during the playoffs. I don't know, but... Fultz seems ramped back up. I'm not worried about his conditioning, and I don't think he's going to be on much of a minutes restriction anymore in my mind. And then the other thing that I got is just getting Aaron Gordon and Michael Carter-Williams back on the floor and Terrence Ross, which who knows what his medical situation is, when he's going to be back in the bubble, and then is he going to be quarantined the whole, you know four days, longer, shorter? I don't know. That's 
that's going to be interesting, but just getting these guys on the floor. So I don't know if you want to add to that or, or, or what, Penny. I think that's important for long-term success. I, I don't know that there will be any long-term playoff success, but uh, the biggest thing I think over the next two meaningless games is uh, no more injuries. Yeah, and I mean, look, it's it sucks because we're – you know, people say that it sucks being stuck in the middle, but when you hadn't made the playoffs since 2012, and now this is your second consecutive season in the playoffs, you're in the middle. You've tasted a little bit of success, but now you got either impatient people or you just got greedy folks that now they want a lot more. But right now, we're literally in the middle, and we've got all these injury issues, and so it's really tough to expect much when you're missing so many, so many of your key guys. But uh, that's that's all we got for this for this episode. We're gonna do a, a playoff preview um, before our our Buck series. Um, maybe we'll sneak in a magical movies. Uh, it'd be nice to uh, to do the uh, 2001 playoffs where we won Game Three against the Milwaukee Bucks on our way to that 3-1 series loss. It's it's a wonderful Tracy McGrady game. There's a scuffle. Um, Terry Stott's hair is majestic in a suit. Um, there's there's a lot of stuff in in there that. Um, and also the sweater vest guy is not wearing a sweater vest. So there's, there's a lot of stuff involved in that, but we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go magic, take care and just win. Wear a mask and stay healthy. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way.